0: Hello, and thanks for joining us at Character Speaks, a podcast in partnership with ProSign Design to spot passionate character educators who are walking the talk. I'm your host, Barbara Gruner, and today we are visiting with Chris Felicello up in New York. He is an assistant superintendent. He blogs over at the teacher and the admin. He's the father of three, and I'm sure so, so much more. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Barbara. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you today.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I connected with you, I don't know, a couple of months ago, I guess, on Twitter, and it seemed like we were really on the same page and, and talking the same language. So I wanted to know more about your your journey, your background, your passion, your why. Could Would you start with telling us a little bit about what brought you to today?
1: Sure, absolutely. I have... Uh had a unique journey. I, I started my career as a physical education teacher in upstate New York and, and was a varsity basketball coach for, for a number of years and, and really enjoyed that experience and connecting with my students and, and, and still, still speak with some of them and, and get together with some of the, the students that I had way back when. Um, but but at, at a certain point, I really wanted to broaden my horizon, so to speak, and I wanted to be an athletic director. So I, I obtained my administrative degree and ended up moving districts to a small district a little, little farther south than, than where I was, Chester, New York, and was hired as the athletic director and assistant principal. And about after a year in that spot, I was asked to become the principal of the middle school, which was uh, newly created from a, from a junior high model, and keep the athletic director piece as well and um, love the work as a principal so much that I really wanted to move away from the athletic side of, of the house and, and focus fully on, on being a principal and, and looked for a, a larger district, a larger opportunity and ended up in North Rockland as a middle school principal. And that's the district that I work in now. And um, throughout my time here in North Rockland, I, I was principal of, of middle school, Farley Middle School and uh, we had a had a transformation where we we reconfigured our district and ended up going from three middle schools to one Fieldstone Middle School, and I was asked to be principal there. And again, I had the opportunity to kind of build build the school from the bottom up. Um, we, we had all new students, a lot of new staff members, and that was an exciting endeavor. And then was afforded the opportunity to end up in central office first as a human resources, assistant superintendent for human resources. And I, I did that for two years. And then the position that I'm currently in, uh, assistant superintendent for educational services or ASI, a lot of people in New York call it. Um, I, I took the opportunity and, and really like the fact that now I'm, I'm back to getting, having conversations about teaching and learning and having conversations with kids and really all the work I do is because I wanna make schools better for kids. And, and, and I've found as I've grown throughout my career, I learn the most from students, from speaking to them, from listening to them, from uh, respecting what they have to say and, and trying to make changes that, that they suggest. So, um, you know, it, as I said, it's a little bit of an eclectic journey, but that, that's what brings me here today.
0: Nice, so how many years in all?
1: This is my 25th year.
0: A quarter of a century, wow, that's amazing.
1: It doesn't seem possible sometimes, but here I am.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take you to some words that you said. You you did a reconfigura- reconfiguring your district challenge, and, and I know from experience that rezoning, reconfiguring can be super challenging, but you called it an exciting endeavor. Um, talk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so our district, North Rockland Central School District, we have the largest tax certiorari in, in New York State history. It's... About two hundred million dollars. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and we are still paying that every year. We pay about twelve million dollars off of our budget initially to pay back the the uh, the loan that we had to take out as a district. And my superintendent, um, Mrs. Ileana Eckert, um, at the time has really really tried to be creative in how we would address those those issues and, and without hurting the program for students. And one of the, the things that she led our district through was this reconfiguring. We closed two, two school buildings. We, we reshaped how things were. But through that entire process, she never called it a, a closing of schools or never called it anything other than a transformation. And, and what she said through all this is, you know, we, we are going to come out better on the other side of, of this. And when we finish this, we're going to be a better district, a stronger district. And with that positive leadership, we all kind of embrace that approach. And I truly believe that we are better today than we were. Uh, I guess it was seven years ago when we when we did um, we did transform as a district.
0: So it seems like you're just mincing words, uh, like reframing. Let's see, I'm going to call it a closing, or we're going to call it a transformation. And yet, there's so much power in referring it to it as that. And and moving it forward through a positive lens, um, were there challenges at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and we, you know, we uh, changing lines and closing schools were certainly um, challenges. And people are passionate about their community schools, and and people were passionate about the buildings that they taught in. And, and we moved a lot of staff in that entire process. But again, through through the whole the whole part of it, we really. We really focused on inclusion and, and bringing everybody to the table, whether it was parent groups, whether it was faculty groups, whether it was support staff, really giving everybody a voice in the entire process and taking them through the why. Why are we doing this? What's our intent at the end? And how can you help us get there? And how can we help you with this entire uh, transition? And and that that transparency, I think, really, really helped us in that entire process. And that's something that you know I've tried to relate to my work with students students is, is, you know, speaking to them, what is it that you need? Um, how can we be, do better for you? And, you know, and, and listening to them and speak to them a lot of times the same way we would with adults.
0: It's so great to have that rear view rear view mirror reflection and, and know that you did it right and that you, you know, climbed those hurdles, went up and, up and over them and, and y'all are better for it.
1: Yeah, it was. It was probably. Uh, you know, I joke around with my wife. It was. It was probably the year that I. You know, I worked the hardest and was home the least and and was the most stressed. But uh, it, it was the product I'm very proud of. I'm very proud of Fieldstone Middle School, which was recently named a Schools to Watch school, um, which is a national recognition. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, and um, and I'm and I'm proud of our district and, and where we are, and and all the relationships that were built through that process with with staff, with community, and uh, and and you know, the place I work is, and I know a lot of people feel this way. It's, it's <laughs> the best district, and I, I really would not want to work anywhere else. It's amazing here.
0: Okay, so congratulations on that success. Let's go back to your coaching days for a minute because I love the idea of the coaching model. Certainly have followed um, John Wooden over the years. You talked about it as an opportunity to connect with kids, but you know, the coaches that are the most successful really have that it factor um, because you said you're still connected to some of them. What do you think was the it for you?
1: You know, it... For me, the it is, and I've carried this through my career, it's really about the people. It's about the relationships. It's about the kids. Um, you know, X's and O's, you can be the, the best X's and O coach in the world, but uh, unless you can inspire your kids, unless you can motivate them, unless you can get them to, to be selfless and be part of a team and have a common goal. Then it's all for naught, and and that was really what I focused on. I was I was 21 years old when I was named varsity basketball coach. Oh, wow,
0: you weren't much older than they.
1: Yeah, I I wasn't, and um, and you know I didn't I didn't even know what I didn't know, but what I really focused on was you know just trying to get get my kids to know that I cared about them, that we cared about each other, that we built a sense of community, that we played hard, that we worked hard, and. And we would persevere when things were going great, but also when things weren't going as well. And, um, you know, again, things that I learned when I coached are things that I still carry with me today.
0: So I coached volleyball for a little while, and I'll never forget this ninth grade girl who just had these wicked and crazy skills but she was so not coachable, right? Cause she knew she had the skills and she would tell the kids, forget the play. Let's do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm on the sides going, okay, wait a minute. What forget the play. And, um, what do you do with a kid that like, how do you inspire someone like that? Like they come with this amazing skill set, but they're not there yet to
1: be coachable. That's, that's a challenge, Barbara, <laughs> it really is. And, and, um, you know that it's always my philosophy never to give up on a kid. You know, so it's it's I was stubborn t- to a fault sometimes where I just would would try and try again to get kids to do the right thing. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, I was the phys ed teacher there as well, and and checking that attendance list first thing in the morning. And if any of my guys were were out, I'd be calling them up, and I'd be going to their house, banging on their doors, telling them, "Let's go get in the car and and, and we're you know you're going to school today." And, nice. Yeah, and and uh, you know making going through their book bags and making sure that they were doing their homework. And, 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 you know, they still gave me a run for my money in a lot of a lot of different times. But uh, I I think they really, they didn't want to disappoint me. And that was that was a big part of it, because we we, they knew that I loved them. And I cared for them. And I wanted what was best for them. So uh, I'd like to think I had a positive influence.
0: Okay, so we've talked about connections in two situations. The other day I saw something on Twitter that said it's not all about connections. We also need that rigor, which I totally agree with. But I kind of wonder how do you combine like the hard work you you have to push, you have to challenge, and yet they have to know that they're loved and maybe get some slack when things are going hard or I don't know how how do you find that balance
1: you know it, it is challenging barbara and i spoke to our entire faculty opening day this year and 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 one of the slides that i had when i when i when i spoke to them was just you know a very short phrase that says kids before curriculum and we have to focus on those students. And I really believe this. We have to focus on those students in front of us. We have to figure out what makes them tick, what inspires them, where their passions lie, where their interests lie, before worrying about, you know, all these thousands and thousands of standards that we couldn't possibly teach in in the 13 years that we have the students if we had 25-hour, 26-hour days with them. So you know we have to we have to narrow it down to those students in front of us what is it that's special about them where is it that they excel how can i get that out of them when they're not doing what what they can do best it's not about our sticks and our and our punishments and about you know what what consequences we can do and it's not about them jumping through hoops for us it's about teaching them what the right thing to do is and getting them to want to do that right thing and not wanting to disappoint not only the teacher, the educator, whoever it is that, that, that has seen something in them, but not wanting to disappoint themselves. Um, so, so when that motivation becomes intrinsic and we can teach that to our students, we don't need suspensions, we don't need zeros, we don't need uh, detentions, we don't need all of these different things that we often use as educators. And, and, and trust me, I did myself as well. Um, But as a as a crutch and, you know, how do we really figure out what is that child all about and how do we get them to where they need to go?
0: Do you guys have restorative practices in place um, where you are now?
1: Yes, we've uh, we've worked a lot with restorative practices. We had uh, Dominique Smith, who is he's a a, an administrator out in California and he wrote the book Better Than Character. Oh,
0: yes, yes, yes. What a great text.
1: Yeah, he, mm-hmm. I, I love that book. And my superintendent and I saw him speak at an ASCD conference with uh, with Doug Fisher, and we were so impressed by him and his approach and and what he what he spoke about that we you know we went up and spoke with him afterwards. and we ended up bringing him to our district to address our entire faculty, and now we've continued our work with him in a couple of our schools to um, to really get that whole shift of, of first, the philosophy shift of, you know, it's, it's not about the punishment, but it's about the lesson that's in there. And, and, and now he's working specifically with schools to, to, to how we can put that in place and, and how we can continue to have more restorative uh, type of, of practices going on in our schools. And, you know, he had said one of the things that resonated with me, he had, he had said, um, you know, when kids don't understand math problems, we teach them. And when kids don't know how to write a proper essay, we teach them, but when they don't know how to behave, we we punish them or we consequent them. And and it's just so true. Uh, You know, if we want kids to to exhibit certain behaviors, we have to teach them to them. That's That's what we are. We're teachers, we're educators.
0: That's a different mindset, right? Because even coming out of the 60s, Children are to be seen and not heard. And now, like such a big shift. Like now, we're talking student voice. I'm like, wait, what? We're giving kids a voice. I love that so much. It just, it just is a shift because it's not the way it was, you know, when we were going to school,
1: right? It's scary, and it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. back control, it sure is. I, you know, as a principal, and you know, I often reflect, and I try to try to get better each year and do things. <laughs> you know, differently. And and I know, I, I caught myself a few times preaching to to my administrators and my teachers and saying, you have to listen to kids and it can't be about conformity and it can't be about jumping through hoops. And then I'm looking at things that I'm asking them to do and because where I'm asking them to conform to what, <laughs> what I want and not uh, trusting them as, as professionals. So, you, you know, and, and I, I kind of call it out and say, oh, wait, I'm doing this as well. I have to trust you and it has to be something that you want to do. I want to inspire you to do well, not because I'm telling you to do it.
0: So how do you inspire teachers to let go a little bit and to be that guide on the side or that coach instead of that sage on the stage, which has kind of been the mindset?
1: Yeah, it it sure has. And uh, for me, philosophically, it's about doing the same thing and treating the teachers the same way that I would expect them to treat the students. And what I mean by that, Barbara, is not stuffing my initiatives down their throat and saying, everybody is going to do this program or everybody is going to, we're going to follow this practice right now. And having that understanding that each teacher is going to teach to their unique style and each teacher may have a passion to to explore something that they want to learn about or something that they want to implement in their classroom and not not stifling that but encouraging that and having them build upon that of course there's non-negotiables every kid has to be treated well you have to be about kids you have to be caring you have to you know you have to deliver a thought-provoking lesson to students where they're you know they're engaged and they're, they they want to be there but the way that teacher X does it may be completely different than the way teacher Y does it. And how do I as a leader be courageous enough to let that happen, to listen to what they have to say, to to learn something new from from, from my teachers that, that I didn't know about before or hadn't thought about before, or maybe I'm not quite sure about, but can I be open to it and, and really think about um, if, it's, if it's a good way to go? So I, I think that is a step for, at least for me, um, is is opening up that 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 freedom from our educators so that they can do it in turn for the students.
0: So if I'm hearing you right, you're you're referring kind of to teacher efficacy as something that's courageous.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think so because I think we we, we we want consistency and we talk about consistency, right? And 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 we get I know my colleagues and myself. You know, we we get nervous when things aren't aren't consistent and things aren't the same across the system. But but isn't that what makes our education system, our country, so great? Is its diversity and the fact that that everybody has different different things that they're strong in and different different areas that they excel in and and, and different different unique ideas and, and 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 different process for for getting to to where we want to go. You know, if everybody did everything the same way, wouldn't wouldn't we just be all mediocre?
0: Be kind of boring. boring.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's what in a lot of ways our school systems have become is they become boring. And and you know the research is out there. Kids are kids are are excited when they come to us and, and then you know it gets down and down and down by the time they graduate, they 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 just go through the motions and play the system and they're not really excited to come to school. And that's a shame. And I think I think I think we need to change that as educators. And that's what excites me about connecting with people like you and all the other people that I've been able to connect with um, through social media and, and and through other avenues that you know what there's there's this kind of this momentum building where, where and these this sharing of ideas where people are people are at that point where I, I can feel it kind of Happening and changing, and and I think our our education system is at that kind of that tipping point where we're going to be different, Um, because for so long it was it was the same the same kind of experience for students in schools.
0: I was speaking at a school on Thursday night where they talked about the alternative seating and the PTO president said, you know, those scoop chairs, at first I thought those were like baby bathtubs and I didn't know, you know, why we were bringing these bathtubs to school, but it was so fun to listen to them talk about you know, if the kids want to stand, they can stand. And if they want to, you know, rock in a little chair and a beanbag and, you know, the little stools and the wobble stools, which you also almost fall off. (laughs) But think about the amazing opportunity for kids, even just to choose how they learn exploding.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, as as I'm standing here talking to you, I'm at my at my desk, which is a is a stand up desk. I don't I don't have a, a computer anymore. That's that's traditionally, on uh, you know on the the desk, and I'm sitting at my chair. I stand up. I'm moving around. I you know I that's how I work. Nobody's telling me that you know you can't you, you can't sit in this type of chair. Or you can't stand up when you work, or you can't go to the bathroom when you need to go to the bathroom. Yet you know we 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 say we want to prepare kids for that next level, but. Yet we're not really preparing them for for that next level, and we don't give them any freedom of choice and freedom of how they're going to work. Um, you know, what what are we preparing them for? Well, it's you know, we know this, and, and you know, we've heard this before. Our education system was based on you know a conformity based model where we wanted to to build. Um, factory workers and 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 people that could do rote tasks, they could do them accurately, they can do them efficiently, they could follow directions, they could click in at a certain time, and that's just not our world anymore. And those jobs aren't out there anymore. So we have to, you know, we have to adjust and we have to 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 kind of um, change our approach and and our learning style. And you had said it great before when you said, you know, it's no more that 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 deliverer of content. It's it's not the sage on the stage, but it's that guide on the side. And, and, you know, that's where, you know, that's where we really start to to bring the best out in our students when we take that approach, in my mind.
0: Something that you said about the bathroom pass, I will never forget student teaching, and I'm dating myself here, but it was 1984. And my supervising teacher said, listen, you're going to be making so many decisions every day, one decision after another. Don't worry about whether or not they can go to the bathroom. He said, you've got to prioritize your decisions. And these kids are juniors and seniors in high school. And if they need to use the bathroom, trust them and let them go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, that was a a wise (laughs) student teacher, (laughs) I tell you, because it's so true. And, you know, we get caught up. I mean, I remember back, you know, when I was first a, a, a principal and, you know, we were having conversations about, you know, we had the sign in sheets for, and you know, when the kids went to the bathroom and if they went every period, you know, why are they going out so much? And, and so what, <laughs> maybe they had to get up and walk around. So what, what is, yeah. you know, why are we so worried about um, these things? And then, you know, the other thing that drives me nuts, you know, kids come to school late and we consequent them by, by having them miss more class time. So I'm late and I'm missing instruction time. So what is my consequence? I miss more instruction time. You know, how does that make sense? It, logically, it doesn't. It but does but, but again, we're afraid. Uh, if, you know, if there's no consequences, well, they'll always come late. Well, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if we have some conversations and we get an understanding of, of why, why they're late or whatever their issue is, maybe we can address it a little differently than always bringing out our stick and always bringing out our consequences.
0: Now I'm going to go to you as a writer, because you read this, wrote this incredibly powerful piece called Honors... Isn't about more. I actually sent it to my daughter. She's 25 now, but the girl you described in that piece was her seven years ago. What prompted that piece and, and what brilliance? Holy cow.
1: Well, I'd love to take credit for writing that, but actually, um, Gary Armida, who is my partner in the teacher and the admin, and that was that's the educational site that, that we created together um, just about a year ago, um, that was actually a piece that he wrote. And um, you know we both feel very, very passionately about you know homework and always that more, more, more. Um, but but um, you know I, I agree with you. That piece really resonated with me as well. And and um, you know Gary is just such an amazing writer. And and um, you know he encouraged me to to start writing as well. And and it's it, it's been it's really been a blessing to hear his thoughts, to hear his ideas, but also the help that he's given me and helped me progress as a writer myself.
0: Such a great way to reflect.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know we've we've done a lot of, um, you know, philosophically we're we're very much aligned in, in a lot of those areas. Homework being one, grading being one, zeros being one, um, you know, and and it's it's been fun to kind of write different pieces on in those different areas from a teacher's perspective and then from an administrator's perspective, and um, you know, honestly, it, it, it's really been um, something that I think um, you know kind of just started with with. Um, wanting to do something, and, and we've just been so surprised in the, in the positive feedback we've gotten. And, and you know, we're actually, gonna be coming out with a book um, in the spring through, uh, through uh, Marlene and Gross Taylor and Educate Gladiators, and we're really excited about that. So, um, just the opportunities that have presented themselves um, in such a short period of time it has been really humbling and, and overwhelming.
0: Well, you're a leader in in education, so we can't hear enough from from good people. Um, let's switch to self care. You're a blogger. You're an assistant superintendent. You're the father of three. What do you do to care for
1: yourself? Yeah, it's so important to, to take that time, Barbara, and 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 I'm sure you you understand that as well. And you know, it, it's a challenge for me because I am I, I am. Always moving fast, and, and I am. But you know, there's so much that I want to do. But you know, some of the things that I have found helpful that have that have really helped me and helped keep me grounded is is you know meditation. I have I have been trying to meditate daily for the past um, you know three or four years. Some some stretches of time better than others. I use the Headspace app, um, you know, right on my iPhone, and try to do that every morning and get into that morning routine. So I'll start my day with. With if, it's, if it's not too cold here in New York, my wife and I will, will go for, for a quick walk after we get the boys off to school and I'll do a, a quick 10 minute meditation. And then, uh, you know, I have this little routine where I have, I have a, a gratitude journal and I write a few, you know, write a few things that I'm grateful for in that. And then I have another uh, another journal where I, I kind of set priorities for the day in four different areas. So I'll say, um, you know, work if I only get one thing done at work today, what's that one thing? home if there's only one thing I can get done there. health. if there's one thing I can get done there, personal and personal growth, if there's one thing there. So you know that helps keep me grounded. And then I, I read um, The Daily Stoic, which is a Ryan Holiday um, book where he has um, stoic uh, quotes or stories and then he expands upon them a little you know, one for each day. So kind of doing all of those things help me start my day on the right foot. And then just trying to, if I can take different different breaks throughout the day, even if it's only for 30 seconds to just stop and notice and breathe um, and be mindful, um, you know, trying to, to be more connected with the people that I'm speaking to. And, and um, uh, you know, if I'm with someone and I'm speaking to them, not thinking about all the things that I have to do and what my next meeting is, but truly listening and trying to learn from them. You know, it's a challenge and some days I'm better than others, but um, I found that when I'm consistent with that, it it helps to keep me grounded. It helps to keep me healthy. um, It helps to keep me being a better administrator, I'd like to think.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing all of those things. I'm definitely grateful for your example. I see that we're running close to out of time. I want to know what's next and how listeners can follow you. I, I did hear you say something about a book. So if you want to tell us a little bit more about that, and then how can we connect with you online and um, grow from you through your work?
1: Sure. Yeah. I you know I'm at K Felicello. It's K F isn't Frank E L I C E L L O at Twitter, and um, you know I'm pretty active on Twitter, and, and anybody can certainly reach out to me there we, we write weekly pieces on the teacher and the admin, and that's, uh, www.theteacherandtheadmin.com, and um, also on Facebook, uh, at teacher and admin. And, um, you know, the book is going to be coming out in the spring. It's, it's tentatively titled the teacher and the admin team making schools better for kids. So people can certainly, um, certainly look out for that. And, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the type of person I really enjoy sharing anything that I have with anyone and and um, taking <laughs> different things that people have and trying them out and, and implementing them so you know I am always open to to and, and actually um, welcoming when people reach out to me and, and want to just uh, share ideas or or I can share anything that I have so um, you know I would love to, to expand my my network and then anybody that's listening would would want to connect with me, I certainly would appreciate that.
0: That would be great. If you ever want to guest post at the Corner on Character, my blog, sometimes I think the readers need a more diverse perspective. So I totally welcome guest bloggers because, I don't know, there's like 1,500 posts there, but I, I want to make sure it's not just again, through my lens. So anytime you or your colleagues, if you want to push a teacher out of his or her comfort zone and encourage them to do some blogging, I would totally welcome that as well.
1: Oh, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Thank you, Barbara. Perfect.
0: Well, yeah. I would like to thank you, Chris, for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. It was, it was great talking about education with you. I, I certainly appreciate it.
0: And then I'd like to remind your listen, my listeners that this podcast is supported by ProSign Design, a family-owned business dedicated to character, safety, and organization. I would invite you to join us next week as we continue the conversation about character ed, connections, and life. In the meantime, I hope you're having a happy holiday season. Remember that character speaks.